Well, thanks for joining us today. Everybody here, also online, we also have a great crew online that um, you may not notice every week because they're kind of behind that little camera that's, that's in the back, but... Um, but, uh, oh, by the way, our kids are dismissed. Yes, you, you see, you're seeing them gone. Can't forget that. Yeah, we have the kids' table. Great program for <clears throat> the littles and everything. And um, so I'm Pastor Chris. Um, if you're new here, if this is your first time with us in person, also online, just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. Um, the week after the big Easter Sunday celebration, if you were with us, it was pretty awesome, um, especially not just the service, but then also the, the frantic egg hunting that took place afterwards, both for the small children and for the teenagers who racked up some good money. There's money in those eggs. So, but I hope you had a good Easter. Um, the celebration, like I said in my prayer, continues. And we're in this Easter season that will take us until the end of May when we celebrate Pentecost. That's in the church calendar that um, Easter continues. And um, so I'm glad that you're here. Um, so today we're going to talk about something that may surprise you. I'm being facetious there. We're talking about this book, the Bible, Right? We talk about it a lot here, um, every Sunday, actually, um, we preach from the Bible. Um, but I have something to confess about this book, and, um, and that is that it's changed my life, my life personally. I don't know if you might be able to say the same thing in some way. Um, I think that the Bible itself is the biggest treasure that we have, really, as Christians. It's a treasure. Um, it contains truth in it that... We can't find out any other way. Um, it's a living, breathing book that continues to speak to us today, though it was written years and years and for some pieces even centuries ago. Uh, it teaches us things about God that we would not know any other way. And it also teaches us truths about ourselves. That as much as we read the Bible, the Bible also reads us. But I can truthfully say that, that this book, or really it's, it's more of a library, believe it or not, it, uh, this, this book has really changed my life as I've read through it, and even when I came back to faith as part of my story. But I also want to confess to you something else. It's also one of the most frustrating aspects of the Christian faith, <laughs> And maybe you've been there. Um, the, the Bible, um, or more specifically, the way that people have interpreted and used the Bible has been responsible for probably some of the worst things of history and parts of Christianity. Um, everything from wars to racism to slaughter of innocent people to violence to slavery. I mean, if you name it, there are things that Christians have justified over the course of history for what the Bible supposedly says and tells them to do. But not just that. The, the Bible is also, if you've tried to read it at any point, it can also be really hard to read and understand. That uh, for all those reasons, I can understand that for a lot of those reasons that, that you might not pick up the Bible. Maybe you do pick it up, but you have a mix of curiosity, maybe about what it says, um, but also trepidation for what it could say or how people have used it in the past. But those kind of things, though, when we look at the Bible, um, it, it makes us do one of two things. It makes us either dismiss the Bible completely, 
that it's not important for us today. It's an ancient book of religion and what yada, yada, yada. And, or, or we do try to read it and embrace it. And then we start running into roadblocks. Things, if you ever read the book Leviticus, you know what I mean by that. Um, but, but that's why I think this series that we're starting today is so important. It's so important because it's good to ask questions of the Bible. It's good to ask questions overall, overall in Big C Church, you know, just not just table life, but overall, uh, a lot of church and churches tell us to avoid asking questions, to just believe, just to receive what it says, and don't ask questions, don't question God in that sense. But at Table Life Church, we welcome questions here. We welcome questions because I believe even through my own story and questioning that that's how I've actually grown deeper in faith and claim faith for myself, not just what my parents taught me, but for myself. And that's where that richness happens. And dare I even say, there's parts of the Bible that actually have people questioning God. <laughs> so, so the thing is, we're going to be asking some questions of the Bible over the course of the next few weeks. Um, we're going to be giving you some tools, some tools to study the Bible, some ways of, of reading passages too that may be a little bit different than what you've heard before or what you've experienced. We're going to kind of unpack it together, um, just as I do in my own study if I'm preaching on a certain passage. Um, I may even share multiple views of a passage and not give you an answer. And you may have to go in for yourself and figure things out. Imagine that, right? But I also want to encourage you too, we're doing a class along with this series on Wednesday nights, just going to be three weeks starting this week on how to study the Bible. It's going to be kind of the, if you think of this as like the lecture part of like the, the class, well, that's like the lab. We're going to be walking through different practices of study and even looking at the, the history and the timeline of how did the Bible come to be and all that stuff. So I encourage you to sign up for that. There's a sign up, sign up sheet that's out in the, in the lobby there. But, but, but most importantly, I think it, it goes back to what a, a seminary professor once told me that really has stuck with me through the years is that it's important not to be told what to think or taught what to think, but how to think how to think. So today, the question we're going to examine today is the question of, should we take the Bible literally? Is the Bible intended to be taken literally? And your sermon notes that are in your worship guide too, if you want to study along there, you feel free to do that. They're also printed online um, on our website for those that um, are worshiping online. But should we take the Bible literally? And if you haven't asked that question, you probably should. You probably should. Maybe you're new to faith or getting back to church and, and you want to open the Bible for the first time. It's a good question to ask because how we read scripture really undergirds what we think. And not just that, but also what we do and what we believe and how we see things, how we see other people, how we see the world. Um, it's also important because truthfully, a lot of us have been living a long time with misinformation. Misinformation that somebody shared with us about this book, and we've never actually read it for ourselves. We've been going off what somebody else has said. You know, oftentimes we're confused with what the Bible says with what someone has told us what the Bible says. We've confused one person's interpretation of the Bible with the Bible itself. And let me just share some statistics with you that were taken last year in surveys of, of thousands of Americans. So, 30, only 39% of Americans have ever read, re, ever read the Bible three to four times a year or more. 
39%, so think about that. 39% of, of Americans have or will read the Bible three to four times this year. Um, one in four, and maybe, once again, there's nothing negative about this, so if you fit in any of these categories, like that's your starting point, right? One in four have never read more than a few verses of the Bible in their lifetime. And only one in five has ever read the whole Bible. So think about this. For, for more, more people than not, the Bible becomes more of just a reference book, isn't it, right? Like you look up something, like when I need to know, like what does God think about this? Like, you know, look up here, Google it probably, you know, we got, we go to God and we go to Google the two Gs, right? Um, but, but you look up something when you need it or you want to feel encouraged, right? I'm going to go try to find a passage that maybe can encourage me or maybe something I heard on the radio or online. Or you do, I mentioned this in a previous sermon, you do kind of the, what is it, the secret, the Bible roulette, right? And you go like this and then bam, Right here, right? The barren fig tree is cursed. That's a good one. Okay, moving on from there, right? And you kind of act along those ways. Um, Sometimes we treat the Bible like this. Anybody have one of these maybe growing up? Maybe you have it now. Do you know the year that this came out? Anybody? It's a little trivia for today. Anybody? 70s? It's earlier than that. 60s, a little earlier than that. 46. 46. Yeah. Yeah. So 77 years later, we're still making this thing. So Magic 8-Ball, will my sermon be good today? Outlook, not so good. <laughs> I'm seriously, that's what it says. Okay. Well, Magic 8-Ball, can you trust it, right? But, but sometimes, we treat, sometimes we treat the Bible like one of these. That it's kind of this magic thing. Um, there's actually a word for that. The term is biblicism. It's a fancy name that's given to the pro- that problem. That we see the Bible as basically a flat text that you can kind of like pick a little section and that's exactly what God is saying to you at this time and everything is equally applicable to us. Um, but the thing is the Bible never really asserts that power or that intent for itself. It's not magic. <laughs> it's more than that. But in one way, it is like the magic eight ball because we should be able to ask questions of it. Uh, did you know that inside this, there's this little like triangle thing? You know, you've seen this before. But um, 10 answers of the ones in here are positive, five are negative, and five are very ambiguous. Not the response that you want to get, right? That, but the, we look at the Bible, though, as asking questions, not magic, but relative, or that we can ask questions. But also from that, there's great power in here. There's great power in this book. And it's important to recognize first, though, that yes, in one way, all of us do read the Bible literally, in the way that we read the same words on the page. We read all the same words on the page. For us, it's English. Maybe you speak another language and you have another Bible in a different language. We read the same words on the page, but we understand it differently. There's a process of interpretation. So an example of what I mean, um, road signs. You've probably seen some of these. Sam, if you want to start that first one. So go ahead and read that. What is that actually saying? Can you read it one way? Can you read it two ways that are very confusing? What way do you go if you're exiting? What way do you go if you're entering? You know, do you read horizontal or do you read vertical and then vertical, right? 
Those types of things. Which way should you interpret the sign? What about the next one? <sighs> the chuckling people are reading it a different way. Yeah, I don't know if everybody goes to Bucky's. I've never been. Um, people like rave about this place. But um, yeah, you eat here, you can get gas too. I don't know what kind, but moving, okay, moving on. What about this one? Heavy pedestrian. And, and do you see the little man? He's a little, do you guys get that? Like heavy pedestrian, this is not discriminatory by any means. But you know, he's like, like he's not just like a stick figure there. I don't know what that's saying. Uh, is that the last one, Sam, that I have there? So, oh, one more. This is the best. <laughs> Church of the Cross. Nobody proofread that. They didn't have anybody to read that. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are like, amen to that. That's been my experience, right? But, but think about that. We all read the same words, but I bet we all had a different understanding of what they could mean. And, and so today, I want to offer us some guidance on how we read the Bible, on how we read the Bible. Um, and really, an alternative to, you want to say, uh, the magic eight ball approach or, or that kind of thing, because it, it, it's important because it's how we, it impacts our faith. So, so we're going to look at four ways to read the Bible. I'm going to say four aspects of reading the Bible. And the first is that we need to read the Bible seriously. We need to read the Bible seriously. There's a passage from the book of Joshua. Joshua's in the Old Testament scriptures. Joshua takes the lead after Moses to have the people enter the promised land. The book of Joshua at the beginning says this, be strong and very courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it from the right to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips, meditated on day and night, so that you may have, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, so read the Bible seriously. This is actually one of the earliest pieces of Scripture that talks about Scripture. And Joshua is telling the people of Israel here that he's, he's telling what God has shared about to let the people of Israel to follow and obey the laws that were given to Moses. So handed down from Moses, handed down to him and handed down to them. In essence, he's saying, guys, we need to take this seriously. We need to take this seriously. You know, recite it day and night to follow it. And a pastor friend of mine once told me some words that, that have stuck with me to say about the Bible, we are called first and foremost to read the Bible, not literally, but seriously. Not literally, but seriously. Means that if we do pick it up, well, there is going to be a point that you hit something that is going to make you scratch your head. Or it's going to challenge something. Or that you're going to try to negotiate what do these different passages say. And when we hit those, it's so easy to just lay the Bible aside or to ignore it or brush over it or, or that kind of thing. But I think that that's a mistake. I think that, that we need to read hard passages. We can't dismiss those things. That, that we can't even defer just to our experience. But reading it seriously means that we have to wrestle with this book. God reveals things to us in the Bible that we can't learn anywhere else. 
And that's what I love, too, about our, our denomination. So if you didn't know, we're part of the Church of the Nazarene. Um, if you're not familiar with that, I usually tell people, if you know the Methodists, we're the crazy cousins to the Methodists. So, um, but anyway, I love what, what our kind of our, our doctrine, there's articles of faith that describe this. And by the way, um, if you're wondering where Becca, our office administrator, is, she's at our like annual meeting that's taking place in Baltimore. Um, I was there yesterday. We have some of our, our folks that were there and are going to be going back and forth. But, um, but anyway, our denomination, Church of Nazarene, really, I think, puts our, our kind of doctrine, if you want to say, on Scripture in a really good way, in a, in a really positive way. And, and it says this, we'll put this on the screen. Uh, for, this is for all the nerds, if you're not sure, like just dismiss this, but we believe in the plenary, the plain inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, by which we understand the 66 books of the Old New Testaments given by divine inspiration. But this is the key, inherently revealing the will of God concerning us in all things necessary to our salvation. Inherently revealing the will of God for all things necessary to our salvation. That's the point of inerrancy, not word for word. <laughs> it points us to Jesus. It points us to our salvation. That, that's where the Bible itself is 100% pointing to. And, and that's really, really important that the core of the Bible is revealing the will of God in all things necessary for our salvation. Pointing to Jesus, the one and only way and so our own learnings and experiences can't replace what the Bible can reveal about who God is. Sometimes even hard passages can still have something to say to us if we take the time to unpack that. And that gets us to the, kind of our, our second way of reading the Bible, not just taking it seriously, not necessarily literally, but taking it very seriously, is to read the Bible holistically, to read it holistically, and, and let me just say this, holistic is not like the new age, like ting, ting, like, you know, that kind of like holistic, but mainly as a whole, as a whole. And, and there's this great story about Jesus in Matthew's gospel, actually it's in multiple gospels, where um, beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's, he's baptized, we told this story a while ago, he's, he's baptized by John the Jordan River, and then immediately he's sent into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. We kind of mark the beginning of Lent in that way. But there's a story where Jesus is in the wilderness and then the tempter, the adversary, Satan, he comes to Jesus. So in Matthew 4, it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we have to recognize something here. The devil is tempting Jesus and quoting scripture. He's quoting scripture. And then Jesus, it's like a scripture sword fight, right? He quotes back and says, hey, you were kind of taking this little section here. Totally, there's a different meaning that's taking place here. It's kind of back and forth. It's Satan and then Jesus and Satan, Jesus. Um, it's an early example of showing us we have to be careful about selecting certain scriptures out of context. We have to read the Bible as a whole. What does the Bible overall tell us? Um, there's a word for kind of taking scriptures out of context and then like using it to support whatever you believe. It's called proof texting. Um, pastors are guilty of this, by the way. So that's why you do have to watch who you do listen to. Um, um, but basically it's finding one verse and saying, I, this is what I believe because this one verse says it. Apparently Satan does that too. <laughs> 
You better watch that, right? But a lot of people filter the Bible for the things that they want to believe and find verses to support them. And I would say this, you can justify just about anything by finding a couple verses. But the bigger question is, what does the Bible say as a whole? Looking in other places, in, in other scriptures. Uh, is, it, is what I'm reading in this section, in this book, does that about a certain circumstance that's taking place? Do I need to look to the wider context of what's taking place? Is it pertaining to that situation, or is this something that is pertaining to all people of all time? So, for an example, I asked Ben if I could use him as an example, because he's a good, um, good person in that. So, imagine this. You're walking by. You're here early in church, and all of a sudden in the hallway, you hear Ben, a worship leader, cuss. Oh my gosh, he just says a bad word. And very easily, you can assume if you don't know Ben, see, he's a cusser, right? <laughs> he got a potty mouth. Sailor, right? Talks like a sailor, right? But the thing is, if you know Ben, you would know that's not the case. If you've been around him enough, you would know that, no, every other word out of his mouth is not a bad one. Um, you might also know that, that Ben is the director of various musicals and plays. And imagine if you had walked further around that door and you saw him holding in his hand a, a script for a play that he was, just happened to be reading to someone about a part that he was looking for. Doesn't that change your perspective on who Ben is and what's going on? Is Ben a cusser for all time? I'd say no. Like, knowing the context gives me a lot more to understand what's taking place, that something else is going on. You know, an example in the Bible is, and we're going to get to this in a couple of weeks, is, is the scriptures that point to say women should not preach for all time and in all places. Or that slaves, yes, slavery, you should submit to your masters. All those things that we need to understand in what's going on at the time. Does that ask the question, does that pertain to just those people at that time? Or is there something bigger that's going on? Do we necessarily apply that to all people of all time? Because it's taken as a whole. It's a whole picture. The whole, the plenary inspiration, the whole entire inspiration of Scripture. And then when we run into something hard, it's, it's important to look at, alongside at what the Scripture is telling us, to read the Bible holistically. But then there's also that we need to read the Bible intelligently. And this is, this is opposed to not the opposite, which is unintelligent, stupidly, right, that kind of thing. I wouldn't say that. But it's kind of opposed to reading the Bible simplistically. Read it intelligently. See, what most people mean when they say, I'm reading the Bible literally, they mean it simplistically. But sometimes, we all know this, it doesn't necessarily mean what it says. A good example is this. When Jesus says in Matthew 18, 8, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than have two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Ouch, right? Now, friends, there are very few Christians that read that passage literally. Very few. Even those that would say, yes, I take every single word for word. That we have to use our brains. And look to say, it may mean something a little bit different than absolutely what it's saying. And that's okay. You know, I mean, we use words all the time, right? Somebody's really hungry. What do they say? I could eat a horse, right? Do they really want to eat horse meat? Probably not. Chicken's preferable, right? 
just go to Chick-fil-A, just go to Mickey D's. Um, or, or say, you know, you're a parent and you're, you just walk in the kitchen and somebody just got into the flour, right? And you hear the words, come out of your mouth, I'm going to kill you, right? Like, do you necessarily mean that? I would hope not, right? Do somebody call the cops on you, right? I hope not. Like, but we use hyperbole, figures of speech, symbolism. Um, some people just say, well, just read it and believe it. But we know that, just like I said in that passage, we know that's not true. We have to use our brains, too. To not check our brain at the door when we're reading the Bible or when we come to church. And that's really important in our, our, our tradition here at Table Life Church, um, Wesleyan tradition that, if you didn't know, uh, Nazarene Church, the Methodists, the Wesleyans, the Salvation Army, we're all kind of like under this umbrella of Wesleyanism. Um, we tend to use this. This is not actually by John Wesley himself, but a guy named Albert Outler, um, who, who just kind of came to this theological idea of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Um, and so once again, just, just kind of geeking out here for a couple words. Um, it, it shows the four things that basically inform our faith the four things that inform our faith, with Scripture being the foundation. Going back to Scripture for everything. And dare I say, say you've been praying about something and talking to people about something, maybe it's a new direction in your life or whatever it may be, always go back to Scripture. Don't just rely on what people may be saying or what feelings that you always go back to Scripture. But then there's also experience, how, what we've experienced in life, um, uh, what we experience God to be, um, our reason, like I said, don't check your brain at the door, use this. And then our tradition, the tradition of the church, that, that, of, of those who have come before us in the 2,000 years that, of, of Christianity, um, that we experience, our experience of the living God, our tradition of those who came before us, of, of the church, what has been practiced, but also our reason. And if you see, there's interplay between the four. All four factor in, and all four are important that we read the Bible intelligently. But then last, and, and, and I'd say this, probably most importantly, is that we read the Bible devotionally. Devotionally. And you may sound funny after just saying, well, just use your brain and just study it and that kind of thing. But we need to remember that the primary purpose of the Bible is not to learn history or be a science textbook, but to experience the living God. To experiencing the living God. And that's where I say the Bible reads us. The Bible reads us as a community, together as a church. That's why we do this every week. It's why it's so important. And when you get out of habit and you stop going and you stop reading, like there's something that happens in, in, inside of you, especially concerning your faith, but that God speaks to us. God continually speaks to us. I don't know any other book that does that. If you find one, please tell me about it, you know. But God can speak to us. And Paul says this in Romans 15. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That God speaks to us. When you get in a, a daily habit of reading, you know, and, and it takes time, um, but that God continually speaks to us. This isn't ancient words that were written years and years and years ago, but that ancient words 
that continue to speak today. Uh, Jerome, who was an ancient Christian theologian in the 4th century AD, he talked about the scriptures. He said this. He said, you are reading the scriptures? No, your betrothed is talking to you. It is your betrothed, that is Christ, who is united with you. He tears you away from the solitude of the desert. Some of you all have been there, maybe there right now, and brings you into his home, saying to you, enter the joy of your master. You know, there's times to dig deep and to study scriptures, but there's also other times, and this is in a more daily context, to read and not miss the intent of the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew or be an expert necessarily. It may mean that you need to wrestle and struggle with some texts a little bit, but also that you would be convicted and challenged and encouraged and that your faith would be grown and that, that you too, just like Paul said, that your, your Christ-likeness too, you being modeled in the likeness and image of Christ would, would come out and emerge and that you'd be encouraged and even given some hope. That God is still, still speaking. So kind of sum this up today, kind of the, the intro to this series, is that we need to read the Bible seriously and let the Bible read you. Let the Bible read you. For these reasons, we can't lay the Bible aside. It's also not a magic eight ball. <laughs> you know, even though there have been problems and harmful interpretations through history that have, have caused pain and suffering and even death for so many people, we can also say that God, though, continues to speak again and again through these holy scriptures. Speaking to us in Christian community, God reveals himself again and in no other way. And that's where I want to kind of leave us today. You know, should we read the Bible literally? Well, we do read the same words, but how we understand them is very important. And I think that's why we need to read the Bible seriously, holistically, not selectively, to intelligently and devotionally. And I hope that, I hope that we would read it for ourselves and not just let others define what it is for us. Because when we remember that as we read, he speaks. And through these words, he gives us encouragement and hope. My question for us, too, what does God desire to reveal to us through his word? What does God want to say to you?